BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Spending some time reconnecting with nature this summer? Here's a camping hack from L.L. Bean to make your next trip the best yet. Tired of your tentmate's flashlights shining in your eyes in camp? Bring an empty half-gallon milk jug or clear water bottle. Simply strap a headlamp around it, and it becomes a soft white lantern for everyone to see the light. For more camping hacks, visit youtube.com slash L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean. Be an outsider. Welcome, everyone, to the Take It Home Podcast. I'm your host, John LaRocca, and on today's episode, I'm going to talk about one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, the total package, Lex Luger. Recently on A&E Biography, uh, WWE Legends, um, the series they're doing this season, they covered the total package, and it was a, it's a 90-minute show. And it cover it covered from his football career, you know, actually as, as a young age, starting football as a young age in high school, and all the all the, all through his wrestling careers, of course, his troubles after his wrestling career, and also his redemption. So I was pretty excited to watch this one because, like I said, Lex Luger is one of my all time favorite wrestlers, and I might get some chuckles from. A lot of you listeners out there. Um, to me, Lex Luger has always been kind of like given a, a bad rap by the quote-unquote wrestling experts um, who would talk about, you know, work rate and move set and talk about just, you know, he he's kind of always been poked fun at um, because a lot of people, especially younger fans, they just kind of know him from those wacky memes he had and he was doing some independent dates and just kind of not in his right frame of mind and it also just just like i said work i remember like i would hear like oh lex luger is not that good lex luger wasn't that good he was overrated and honestly lex luger was a pretty good worker and honestly he was a big star and i think a lot of people forget that now, you know, over time, some of the people that he's worked with, there's been some good, there's been some bad. If you look at the people who are just saying nothing but good things about Lex, it's some big names, important names in the wrestling business. Ric Flair talks highly of Lex Luger um, in the ring. He talks about him. I'm not talking about what they do outside the ring and how, how much fun they had, but I'm talking about in the ring, he always put over Lex Luger um, as a as a quality worker, because Lex Luger did make some great strides in the ring. And like a lot of people, though, there was times when he got lazy. I think a lot of people just focus on that time. And we'll talk about that time period. But like I said, Lex Luger is one of my all-time favorite wrestlers. He's the my f- first favorite wrestler. Um, when I started watching wrestling as a kid, like I talked this, about this many times on various different podcasts that I've done here on the Fight Game Media uh, Families podcast. Uh, we even way before we were on Observer website. Gary and I were talking about uh, the We Want Flair podcast. And we covered the Luger matches. I talked about my fandom from Luger growing up. And I just kind of go back, quickly tell that story, is that my friend Chad Ng, who I, was, who I grew up with, 
Um, he was the one I first saw wrestling before, um, before Chad, like, you know, started getting into it. But I saw it one time, um, actually twice, because I, if you count the the Hulk Rock and Wrestling cartoon, I, I had, I remember that cartoon as a kid, and I knew the wrestlers, and I had the coloring book. Someone got me the coloring book, and I wish I had that coloring book. I had it for a very, very, very long time, but I don't know what happened to it during the various moves I've had when I was younger. Uh, but, and also one day I was watching wrestling at home. I saw a clip of, you know, I think it was WF Superstars at the time. Cause I remember it was Saturday mornings. So that's when Superstars came on. I, I distinctly remember it was the Heart Foundation. Cause I remember the pink tights and they were wrestling these, these, uh, you know, job guys. And there was like inset. I remember there's an inset promo. Cause I remember the killer bees had a promo and I remember like yelling at my dad, come over here, come over here, check these guys out. They're fighting, they're fighting. Look at these guys fighting. He's like, oh, that's pro wrestling and it's fake. And when I, when I heard that from my dad, I was like, oh, it's fake? He's like, yeah, it's all put on. They all set up and they all rehearse everything. The usual stuff that you always hear. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, because at the time when I was a kid, at that time frame, I was like a big into baseball. Big into the San Francisco Giants. All I wanted to do was be the second baseman for the San Francisco Giants. And... So I would just quickly disregarded wrestling, no interested to continue watching. Um, and later on, my friend Chatting, you know, tells me he's like, "Hey, I was watching this pay per view called Survivor Series, and and there's wrestling, there's Hulk Hogan, a guy named Macho Man Randy Savage, etc." And I was like, "I was like, yeah, but is that fake?" He's like, "Yeah, but it's a lot of fun." He's like, you should watch it with me. And I was like, I don't know. I thought it was fake. He's like, yeah, dude. He's like, it's pretty cool. So he's like, he was telling me, he's like, you know, just come over and watch a show with me. So I went over to his house. And I was there almost, almost every freaking day. And we were watching this pay-per-view. And it was Fire Series 88. And I'm watching with him. And I qu- I'm quickly like, sucked in, right? I'm quickly like into the characters. I love that everyone had their own like finishing move because he's telling me all the move, their finishing moves they did, and you know, you know, I quickly was amazed by the Ultimate Warrior, Hulk Hogan, Macho Man Randy Savage, and I want. I'm, I was like, I was like so jazzed up watching Fire Series '88. I was like, you mind if I borrow this tape? He's like, yeah, sure, just bring it back. I want actually. That was my first VHS tape of wrestling I ever had. And it was his tape, which I never gave back to him. Um, and then, you know, I continued to kind of watch it, watch Superstars and kind of keep up there, watch a little bit of prime time. But I was still so busy with baseball and uh, and I just wasn't as consistent with it. And then we watched the Royal Rumble 89. I borrowed that tape again and also did not give that tape back. And also, like, started collecting wrestling magazines. And, but mostly WWF wrestling magazines. I didn't even, even, even notice that there was other wrestling magazines. It was just like, I was just WWF focused. And my friend Chad calls me up and he's like, hey, do you want to come over for NWA Shy Town Rumble pay review? I'm like, what's that? He's like, it's wrestling. I'm like, is Hulk Hogan in it? Is Ultimate Warrior is in it? Is, is he in it? Is it Randy Macho Man Savage? What's who's who's all in it? He's like, oh no, none of those guys. This is a whole different league. And I'm like, well, who's in it? He's like Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat, um, and you know Sting. And I was like, these guys, I just didn't know their names. So a little bit of Ricky Steamboat from from uh, looking at my buddy's old magazines that Chad had, and and I'm like. It's not WWF, and he's like, "Well, it's it's like WWF, but it's more real." I'm like, "More real?" That just like piqued my interest, right? So I went over there, watched Shy Town Rumble, and yeah, I liked it. To me, like a lot of people say, like you know, NWA always looked low rent, especially later on after the the sale of uh, from Crockett to Turner. A lot of people said NWA looked low rent to WWF. And at the time when I first saw it, Shy Town Rumble, to me it looked like a major, uh, it looked like just on par with the WWF. Yeah, you know, my young eyes saw this, right? So I started watching, and then there's the match between Lex Luger challenging for the United States ch- title against the champion at the time, Barry Windham. And it out comes Lex Luger, 
And I was impressed by the Ultimate Warrior in WWF. His physique and and you know just how massive that guy was. Also impressed with Hulk Hogan at the time as well. And then, you know a couple of other guys in WWF were really big and muscular. And that and that was well, I thought wrestlers were just these big jacked up dudes. And out came um, Lex Luger, and to me, he looked like a like a superhero out of the comic books. Just he just looked like like where Ultimate Warrior look, which I liked him. I was a big fan of Ultimate Warrior. Luger just felt more real. And he came out and he won that match. And I was just so impressed by him. But I wasn't like clicked in yet. It just wasn't like it wasn't like totally clicked in. I was still kind of more thinking WWF, Hulk Hogan, Warrior, Savage, right? So it was a few months later where I didn't watch this live, but my buddy Chad did, and he taped it. NWA uh uh, Russell War 89 and that was the Music City Showdown and that's when you know Ric Flair famously won his sixth world championship and the famous Terry Funk angle tack afterwards but the match that just sealed it for me as a wrestling fan was Lex Luger defending his United States Championship against Michael P.S. Hayes and Michael P.S. Hayes came out gyrating and and I'll just I hated him hated him with the passion right and I wanted to see Luger just kick this guy's ass well look look at this guy he's a super he's a superman he's gonna destroy him and in this match like multiple times I think only like at least three or four times in the match he would he would Luger would whip the guy like PSAs into the ropes and then off the ropes you pick him up for the press slam and hold him up there and then drop him I thought that was so amazing. When he did that, I was like, oh, my God. This guy is a Superman. And so I I just was like, eyes are out of my head. Like, this guy is amazing. And then Michael P.S. Hayes ends up beating Lex Luger by some, by some shenanigans. Uh, Terry Cordy interferes, puts a, just puts a limp. Michael P.S. Hayes, body on top of uh, Lex Luger was knocked out when they both guys collided heads. And Michael P.S. Hayes won. And I was so mad that Michael P.S. Hayes, this sloppy-looking dude, this guy who looked like he should be on MTV, not in a wrestling ring in my opinion at the time, beat freaking Superman, right? Total package Lex Luger. I was so mad. I just could not wait for Luger to get his revenge. I was sucked in. I was hooked in. And even though he lost, you'd think I'd be pissed. Like, I was pissed. Like, I would, like, think Luger sucked and he lost. No, that's heat. They got me pissed off. I wanted to come back to watch more. So I made sure to find World Championship Wrestling on my television, you know, what channel it came on, what time it came on, and I was hooked hooked so and i was still in love with baseball and playing baseball little league and i did continue in 89 and 90 and i remember 90 i was so like <laughs> i'd be at at practice and i remember there's a clash of champions it was in it was uh june it was coastal crush it was uh the class that we clashed champions number 11 that's the one with uh, uh rick flair junkyard dog in the main event, but Luger versus Sid Vicious, and there was Midnight Express with Rock and Roll Express, uh, Doom versus Steiner Brothers, um, Arn Arn Anderson versus Paul Orndorff. You know, it's just it's a really good, a really good Clash Champions minus the main event. But it, I remember like sitting at home and I had the tape, the, the tape recorder set the tape, all that set up, and I'm just sitting there like, I just want to be home watching wrestling. I don't want to play baseball anymore. So that's when I got like kind of started getting out of baseball because I I was like interfering with my my wrestling time and it was especially on Saturdays when it was game days and I was like oh God I wish I I hope I have an early game so I can be home to watch World Championship Wrestling because I want I need to see my favorites Lex Luger Sting Ric Flair etc and so that's what I so that's what I did and then that's how then from there on Luger became 
my favorite wrestler after that <laughs> Wrestle War 89 match with Michael P.S. Hayes. And soon after that, Luger regained the belt back, like in a couple weeks, and I was super happy about that. And then he quickly at that clash um in June of 89, he turned on Rick Steamboat. And and I didn't watch that one live. I had a, I actually I didn't have a tape for that one for I didn't see that one for a very long time. All I saw was the clips of that clash on television. And I'll never forget Luger. Helping up Rick Steenbutter's match with Terry Funk. And, you know, I was like, okay, that's that's so cool, man. Luger's such a nice guy. And then he just closed like the hell out of Luger as Steamboat. And he, Luger rips his shirt off and he just gives this awesome flex pose. Muscles just popping out everywhere. And I'm just like, yes! Like, I was, like, with this guy. Like, he could do no wrong in my in my opinion. I was like, okay, he's bad. I'm, I'm, I'm with him. Because he's the best. He should have got the towel shot. Rick Steamboat should have faced him. Blah, blah, blah. You know, I was like, yeah, it makes totally sense to me. And um, I was a big Bayface fan. I hated the heels. But Lex Luger, I'm like, I'm, I'm loyal. I'm loyal to this guy. I'm still like that when I watch sports. Like, when I watch baseball and a guy leads the Giants and he's playing for a different team, I was just, just I just always just have so much respect for him. I always continue to be like follow him and stuff. But but like with Luger, when you turn heel, you think like ah, be done with him. That was I'm a Sting guy now. And then but no, I was like Luger's the man. And that '89 I thought was a great year. I mean, of course, my fandom's out of control. I'm into everything. But looking back years later, it was one of the the best runs. Of his career, he was a really good heel, and he took all those years of working with Ric Flair, and he applied it to you know his second heel turn, I guess you know because he was a heel when he showed up in the NWA as a, a first associate member of the Four Horsemen, and finally a member of the Four Horsemen in 1987. Working with Flair, Blanchard, and Anderson, and J.J. Dillon as manager, he really picked up how to work like a heel. Which I thought, and which also made him a really good baby face in 88 and into 89. And he was just, like, you saw him in 89 and you're like, okay, this is the future. He is a future on the heel side for the NWA. And Sting is the future on the baby face side. And this is going to be the legendary rivalry. This is going to be it. Sting versus Luger is going to be for years to come. And that's what everyone hoped. Unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. But... But Luger was on that path of just top heel. And he had a really good match with Rick Steamboat at Grandmaker Bash. And it's not just all Steamboat. A lot of people just give credit to Steamboat. And, you know, because is a tremendous worker, a great worker at that. And, but Luger held his own in that match in Grandmaker Bash 89, one of the greatest pay-per-views of all time. Luger had a really good match with Tommy Rich at the Clash Champions 8. Tommy Rich came back to the NWA, slimmed down, motivated, uh, looking to you know reclaim his past glory from the early 80s in the Georgia Territory. And him and Luger had a tremendous match at Clash 8. Um, and I was just talking to someone on uh, Twitter today. They were saying that you know Luger carried Tommy Rich in, in that match. I'm like, well... <laughs> Luger held his own for sure, and he's definitely improved in 1989. But you can't also discredit Tommy Rich because Tommy Rich is a good worker. He's been, you know, been a, a longtime uh, veteran, and you know he was motivated and more athletic. And you know, it it was a big match on a big show. You know, Clash of Champions live special, and he put his best best foot forward, and it just all worked beautifully together, and they had a great match. Um, NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. 
What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Luger followed that up with a good series of matches with Brian Pillman, where Brian Pillman looked to be a future player in the uh, NWA. Um, unfortunately, you know his career had so many ups and downs, and just you know between the changing of bookers, just he can never really claim that momentum that Ric Flair. And his creative team had for Brian Pillman in 1989. And they had two really good matches. One was at um, Halloween Havoc, 89 in that pay-per-view, and also at the Clash 9 um, as well. And then Clash 9, when uh, they did it earlier tonight, they did a Most Popular Wrestler Award. This is the PWI winners for the year in awards. Most Popular Wrestler of the Year was uh, uh, Sting. And then Ric Flair won Wrestle of the Year. And they had Bill Atmer there, you know, pre- presenting the trophies. And, of course, my favorite match of all time it for, it was, is from that Clash of Champions. It's Ric Flair versus Terry Funk. I quit match. And I just freaking love that match. What makes that match even more special to me is the post-match. Where here comes Great Muda. Here comes Dragon Master, Kendo Nagasaki, Gary Hart. They, they, you know, they turn on Funk. They're kicking the shit out of uh, Ric Flair. Jim Ross is going nuts. Um, uh, Gordon Soli is going nuts. It's it, the crowd is just in a frenzy. Luger comes down, and he tries to grab a chair. A fan's trying to tug a war at that chair from him. Finally, Luger pulls that chair from him. And he goes in there, and he starts, and he starts beating up Ric Flair, and 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 here comes Sting made the save. Sting made his awesome like comeback on Luger, but then then and then or excuse that Dragon Master and Luger cut him off with the chair, and uh, it was chaos. And the chaos continued when the heels were celebrating their beat down Bay faces, where Luger has his chair and he's walking to the locker back to the locker room and he's like smiling and. He looks over and he sees the trophies there and he smashes them. And I was like, oh my God, this is insane. But I loved every minute of it. And I supported Lex Luger. And then they had the uh, Iron Man tournament in 1989. And he did really well in that. And But it was perfectly booked in the way it should have been. But then in February of 1990, some unfortunate uh, injury happened to Sting. Like he blew out his knee and he was out for six months. So they had to turn Luger babyface because he was the only guy at the time they felt that they needed who could draw a pay-per-view with Ric Flair. And I hated that they did that. I just hated that that happened because he was Luger was so white hot as a heel and he was just ready for Sting to be his uh, first challenger and to be a big money match. For Sting, as a when Sting was a world champion, and it just ugh, always breaks my heart when when uh, just rethinking that because and you know Luger's his career has a lot of like just things out of control that changed his uh, his uh, momentum, and that was one of them. This you know Sting getting hurt, Luger had turned babyface now. I was totally into that match at Wrestle World 90 when Luger faced Flair. And I remember the worldwide uh, episode leading up to it where, you know, Flair, I mean, I said, late at night, he said, I'm going to kick your ass. I was like, oh, my God, he said a bad word, Rick Flair. And I was so pumped for that match. And I remember inviting my uh, buddy who lived down the street for me, Joel Bex, over to watch the pay-per-view because he was kind of like, he's my baseball buddy, but he's kind of like watching some wrestling because I was into it and getting into it and stuff. And... And so I'm like, you want to come over to watch Wrestle War 90? And I remember us watching it together, and I was going nuts for this match. I thought Luger's winning this belt for sure. I was just like every fall with Luger recover Flair, I was on my hands and knees making the counts with the referee. Like I just wanted Luger win so bad. And then, you know, the deal where Steen came out, get that motivational speech, and then, you know, because they were rivals, but I knew they were about their friendships with the magazines. 
And I was like, oh my God, this is great. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. And then the Anders just came out and spoiled it. But I, but Luger, you know, had a good ni- 1990. They kept him strong, U.S. champion until, uh, it was that October of 1990 when Stan Hansen beat him at Halloween Havoc. And I just never, I'll never forget just how sad I was that Luger lost this U.S. title. And I remember being at the kitchen table just, just, just sitting there all the boo-boo face on, just, just, just totally just pissed off. My dad's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, Stan Hansen beat Luger for the U.S. title. And my dad just gave me crap because, you know, my dad always thought wrestling would just be like a, a, a fad. But, you know, here here I am today talking about it, you know, at uh, 44 years old, doing a podcast on it, being in the business before um, and all that. So it's just it's just, you know, that once it got in my blood in 89, really got in my blood. I just it just it's, it's never got out of it. I still love it. Um. And, you know, Luger quickly won the belt back. And a couple months later, Starcade 90. Um, and so in 91, it was looked like, okay, is this going to be the year? Because Sting ended up being a failure as the NWA champion the first time around. And not because he was a failure. I think he would have been a great world champion. It's just they had nothing ready. They had no one ready for him. It was Ric Flair. And then they tried to use the deal with Sting. Uh, sorry, Sid Vicious at Havoc that was... Totally left a bad taste in everyone's mouth. And then, of course, the Black Scorpion uh, angle just petered out. It had great potential. It was a great mystery of who it was. I still think it should have been hot stuff. Eddie Gilbert, he was the perfect candidate for that. And he didn't need to beat Sting as the Black Scorpion. But he you know, but he can have been the thorn of Sting's side continuing after that angle plays out. Because Eddie Gilbert... Though he's a smaller wrestler, he's a hell of a worker, but a great mouthpiece for a top heel or a big heel that Sting could have continued to um, to wrestle and, and defeat. Uh, but this Sting was end up being a failure, and again, I don't blame him. I blame Ole Anderson, the Booker, and they when Dusty came in, he as the Booker in 1991, he went back to what he knows, and since he's not wrestling anymore, he's retired. He, that was part of the deal when he came back that he wasn't going to be a wrestler. He was just going to be a booker. Uh, he ends up going back what he knows and making Ric Flair the, world, the top heel world champion, right? So now things are starting to cook in WWE for Luger again. Like you, you feel like, oh, is this, is this going to be the time when he wins the WWE at the time? Now called WWE world title. And when they announced the match at Grand Rapids 1991, I was like, okay, this is it. I just felt it like I felt Sting was going to win in 1990 from uh, Ric Flair at the Grand Rapids Bash. And, and, of course, July 1st, they announced that Ric Flair and Jim Hurd, uh, you know, loves, uh, Jim Hurd has stripped him of the Ric Flair the title, and he's no longer on WCW, and, and, and now Luger is wrestling Barry Windham for the Hell Up title at Grand Rapids Bash 91. And again, momentum taken away, pulled out from under Lex Luger. Nothing that he did, nothing he could do. It's not, it's not him. It was just the, the dispute between Ric Flair and Jim Hurd. Like Luger, Flair wanted to lose the belt to Luger. He had no problem with it. Like he said in this documentary, um, he was just wanted his deposit back for the NWA title that he, you know, $25,000 plus interest and they didn't want to pay it. And of course he shows up and, WWF with the world title and and Luger beat Barry Windham at Grand Rapids Bash '91 and it just wasn't the same of Luger beating um, um, Ric Flair for the title. So quickly on this documentary, I really love I love the old footage of when he was younger talking about his high school days and his college days and his uh, pro football career, which is you know was marred in a lot of controversy. Injured, first of all, injuries. Uh, Luger is a very cocky guy. And I love how Luger on the documentary talks about himself. Like, you know, I was kind of, you know, shy, and some people thought that was overconfident. I think he was just like, a, you know, an overconfident dude. Just overconfident kind of pricked people because, you know, look at that guy. You know, who wouldn't be like that, honestly? A lot of guys would be, you know, just top athlete and, you know, expects to be the number one in everything he does. And, and now he's like going from football team to football team because he's getting frustrated. He feels like he should be a starter and all that kind of stuff. So, 
Um, I love seeing that old footage of him being younger. I love seeing the old footage of him in football. I remember, like, cause I always, always hear that uh, Luger was a Green Bay Packer, right? And he was. I always wanted that card. <laughs> I wanted a Lex Luger football card. I thought, and I remember looking on, like, the Beck's back, you know, guy, and I'm looking for a name, and I just scan it. And I'm looking for Lex Luger, right? I'm not looking for uh, uh, Lawrence Prof, whatever his last name. I can't even say it. I just call him Luger. I was like sitting there, like oh, he's. Oh, I can't find the card. That's the only card I wanted in football. So, I wonder if Promise Thomas has a card. There even is a card that was made for Lex Luger on the Green Bay Packers. Um, but um, I love look at look, look, looking at the fish, and of course the early stuff from Florida, um, the story about Battle of the Belts, where he was really green and Flair had to carry him for like thirty something minutes. Um, and then the stuff, the horsemen, all that stuff I know. It's good to see. They kind of skipped over quickly right into the uh, his world title win, the Grand American Bash, and talking about how Flair left, and it kind of overshadowed things. And, it, and that was true. Um, And then, you know, Luger at the time, I guess, was just like out of it. He was done with WCW. He wanted to move on. He wanted to go to WWF, and he was able to get out of his – well, he's able to work at, go to WF. I the WBF deal, the World Bodybuilding Federation that Vince McMahon was starting. And since Luger, you know, couldn't sign a wrestling contract, he signed a bodybuilding contract. So that's how Vince got him, and he was going to not wrestle, but he's going to be out for a year's last year's contract with WCW. He's not he's just do bodybuilding, and per the contract at WCW, it was okay. They had nothing, they had nothing to, they could say about it. So. So I remember Luger showing up at WrestleMania 8 in that that promo that he had. I was like, oh, my God, he's here. And I remember being bummed because I was, like, a WCW fan. And I remember that was a big loss for my team, WCW, right? And quickly he, like, in six, like, he got that, he got that motorcycle accident, which I didn't even know about. Because I wasn't like an observer reader or anything like that. So I didn't get the start sheets. And all of a sudden, like, he kind of disappeared. The WBF thing flopped. And then I remember Royal Rumble 1993 in Sacramento. Um, I watched on Scramble Vision. And because at that, and I, I would sit there and just listen like a, like, a, like a radio broadcast of the show. And, and I remember when the narcissist debuted with Bobby Heenan introduced the narcissist. It was Lex Luger. I'm like, he's there. And I'm trying to look through the scramble lines and all that. And then the next night, my dad took me to a, a TV taping, superstars wrestling challenge taping in San Jose where I lived at the, uh, the event center. And um, it was uh, I'm sorry, civic center. And I, I saw Lex Luger's, First match in WWF versus Jim Powers. He wrestled twice that night. Came out, the mirror, pose. I was happy as can be. And that made up for the fact that I realized Ric Flair is not going to be on the show because I was so excited to see Ric Flair live. But Luke, Luke, Luke Flair that night on Monday Night Raw lost the lose leave tile match to Ric Flair. So he was not there that night. So that bummed me out. But I saw Lex Luger twice and I was super happy. And, you know, the narcissist gimmick was true to him. I thought it was, I liked it. And I thought he was going to be this, this, this top heel. I thought for sure him and Bret Hart were going to have this long, you know, rivalry that that didn't take place because Bret lost to Yoko, who Yoko lost to Hulk Hogan, that whole deal. And, and Yoko got it back. And I remember watching, was that Challenge or Superstars? I think it was Wrestling Challenge. Where they had the USS Intrepid thing, and I think they, I remember them like talking about it, but I didn't even pay attention. And then here, here comes Luger out, flying down from the helicopter, <coughs> come out red, white, and blue shirt, body slams Yokozuna, and I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. And at the time, even though I wasn't a smart fan, I I knew what wrestling was. I did not read the dirt sheets, but right away I thought, okay, they want him to be the next Hulk Hogan. He's going to be the next top guy on the good guy side and again a bad decision by not luger but by Vince McMahon. all things are leading to summer 93 i for sure thought luger's win the title 
He beat Yokozuna, but only beat him by countout, and he celebrated like he won the title. There's balloons flying down, confetti, and, you know, Sean Walton was talking about, like, this is kind of stupid, you know. And it was, and it's like, what are you, like, cheering for? The guy won by countout, you know? Like, he didn't win the belt. So, it just, that killed Luger in the WBF. You know, Vince McMahon, he wanted to hold off Luger's big win for WrestleMania, but... That failure at SummerSlam made people look at Luger as a failure. They didn't look at him as that guy anymore. They started rooting for Bret Hart again, and or they always did. But they, they, they—that's who they wanted—the guy to beat Yoko, and and that's what happened. And I thought there was money to be made with Luger turning back heel on Bret Hart and being the challenger to Bret Hart, but they never did. Like Luger just continued to do the USA gimmick. I love when they talked about the Lex Express stuff and how uncomfortable he was, and you know, he's, he just—he's a better natural heel. He's not a natural babyface, um, even though he was a good babyface. But it just when it comes to the interaction with fans and all that stuff, like Luger's just focused on other things, working out, eating food. You know, he just doesn't want to hang around with fans too much, and I get that. I understand. There's some wrestlers are like that. Some wrestlers are just better as heels that don't mingle with the fans. You know, nowadays. Uh, it's a little different now. Rest, heel Bay face doesn't matter. They're all mingling fans. It's all just a show. Um, and and so Luger ended up like in a tag team with Dave Boy Smith and didn't do much. He didn't win the tag team titles. And, and in 1995, you know, WSW's making some strides and bit, with some big dreams of competing with WWF on Monday nights. And they introduced Nitro. And I remember really excited to watch that show and you know pillman versus liger was the opener and i'm like oh man thinking about you know super, super raw 2 rematch didn't really live up to that expectation but it was still fun to see liger again on television um we're getting a sting flare match which always are good and during that before that first lock of a sting versus rick flair here comes lex luger strolling out as a big surprise i was like oh my god he's here and the way they this Steam described it, it's like Luger was now back home, you know? And I felt like that, too. I was like, okay, yeah, this is where you fit better. This is where you belong as a WCW. And I couldn't believe the story that Bischoff, you know, didn't like it, which I can imagine Luger just totally being a dick to the C-level announcer, Eric Bischoff, and, you know, Bischoff not liking him, not wanting to rehire him. So he lowballed him so he wouldn't take the – the contract, but Luger was so like, I'm done with WF. I just want to go back, you know, to the Southern States, the Atlantic States, you know, of, you know, the Carolinas, Georgia, etc., and be around my buddy Sting and the Steiners and we're on a Stanford there at the time, but just, you know, just kind of be back on that side of the States. And Luger took it and he was motivated. And that was so cool to see because, you felt that. You saw how motivated it was. Luger was in 1995 when he returned in the year. And also in 96, very motivated. Um, when they turned Luger heel in Halloween uh, 95, that, that was great because I'm like, okay, he's just a better heel. But I loved, I love the storyline of even though he's a heel, Sting's his best friend. Sting's the top baby face here, a top baby face with Hulk Hogan and Monster Marion Savage. But Luger was a heel to everyone else but Sting. And Luger didn't care about the fans, but Sting did. And I love when they form a tag team. They won the tag team ta- championship. And I love the entrance they would do. Like, Sting's high-fiving with the fans. Luger's behind him, like, being a total dick to fans. Like, sneering at him. Just walking all cocky. But then Sting will turn around like, yeah, like, let's go do this. And Luger starts high-fiving the fans. <laughs> oh, it was so good. But then... Razor Moan and Diesel's contract were up, and they didn't. They're now negotiating with WCW, Bischoff, with seeing the UWFI versus New Japan angle in Japan, want to do something similar. So that's what the NWO is born. And Luger was now in that. Now Luger's a full fledged baby face, and Sting was Sting. So they, that cool little dynamic that they had as Luger's a heel and Sting is a baby face. 
was now gone because now they're full. They're both full time Bay phase, and I always wonder how what the payoff could have been on that that storyline. I always felt like that was such a cool storyline between these two top stars in WCW, and Luger ended up being the you know kind of one of the faces versus the NWO at the time. And, of course, famously beat Hulk Hogan for the w- WCW title in August of 1997. And then that, um, I never, I got to try to see if I remember that match. It's such a long time ago. But I remember the pop that he got. And that was so cool when they showed it again. And you see the crowd going nuts. And, and Luger was talking about how that much that meant to him and what a moment that was. And it was truly a, a great moment. It just, I think when I look back at it, I remember the pop. I remember the reaction of him winning the title. But I also remember he lost like it four days later. So I was never like never like really thought of it as like a, a major deal because he lost. But looking in hindsight, it was a major deal. It drew a great rating. It was a total shocker because you know, I always figured Sting was gonna be the first guy to beat Hogan for the title, but you know, they you know, it was time. It was time and they did it, but they they could have gave some more men in the Luger and he could have been champion for a little bit longer before he lost it. But, you know, Hulk Hogan has his fan base there over in uh, in uh, Dakota. And it was in North Dakota for the Sturgis rally, those those crazy guys. And so they did what they did there. And then Luger continued on and did his thing. And Sting won. And Luger was the one of the title from Hogan. And that was a big bust. And... Lou carried on, and then things started getting kind of wacky with the old NWO splitting to two different groups, black and white versus the Wolf Pack, and Luger joined the Wolf Pack, and I did not like that. It just didn't seem like a natural fit. I was like, eh, this doesn't. Luger with Kevin Nash and Conan just didn't look right. And Sting joins, and Sting's wearing the red and black, or and it's like. I get it. Like the NWA Wolfpack was really over. Like I couldn't. I mean, I remember I couldn't believe like all the red and black NWO shirts that were out there. People Wolfpack shirts, and it just it blew my mind because I just didn't think it was. You know, I don't know. I just didn't like it. It didn't fit him. It didn't fit him at all. Um, and he did some stuff, Luger. But this is where you start seeing. The Luger that people were saying it was not a good worker. You know, you can start seeing a little bit of laziness. Like I said, they didn't talk about this documentary. They were both making a lot of money. Sting and Luger were both making a lot of money. And before we, he would have a couple beers and retire for the night and get some good sleep. Um, because he's such a, a a fitness freak. He started everyone's just rock starring, right? Everyone's just partying and he Next, no, he's partaking, and he starts getting into it, and it starts changing him. You know, he starts cheating on his wife with Miss Elizabeth. She's cheating on his her husband with Lex Luger. And I think even me, as a super Lex Luger fan, could see the difference, too, as well. I, lo- I still love him because he's, he's, he was Luger, right? I just always supported him. Um, at the time, I remember I was getting into like Chris Benoit. He was, he, okay, I know, I know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a problem saying his name, and you know, but I really loved Chris Benoit. I just the intensity and the physicality just changed changed wrestling for me. Plus, I was starting to learn more and more about certain workers who was you know, and he just blew my mind, Chris Benoit, and he's you know still one of my all time favorite wrestlers. And I'm just talking about. Chris Benoit as a wrestler, not talking about Chris Benoit as a human being for what he did later on. Um, but it, it was just a different... My my fandom for Luger was like my favorite baseball player. Like, well, not, my, not like Will Clark, so I always loved Will Clark. But like a guy from the Giants would go to a different team, except Brett Butler when he went to the, uh, the Dodgers. I was pretty pissed. Uh, but, uh, you know, I would always kind of support him. And then we were, I was kind of like always supporting him, you know, like, oh. And I remember like late, how was that, late 2000, during the Vince Russo era when Luger just re- was repackaged as a total package without calling himself Lex Luger and Miss Elizabeth there. I started, wasn't into it. And then it all made sense why he was, you know, looking, not 
not working as hard or his matches, you know, the quality of his matches dipped because he was on drugs and partying too much. And that lifestyle was taking hold of him. And then this is when the documentary on A&E got into talking about the drug use, the partying, the affair of Miss Elizabeth. And I will say this. WF put out this series called Confidential. It was very like, you know, kind of dark side of ringish in a way where they're just trying to get the the most seedy stories out there and 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 they painted Lex Luger as the like the not he killed Miss Elizabeth. He was responsible for bringing Miss Elizabeth this this beautiful and pure sweetheart woman to drugs and alcohol and that's and that led her led her to her death and it's not true like it was equal on both parts they both started partying they both started drinking they both started you know doing a lot of stuff and so i'm glad that they didn't paint luger in that like as the guy that that was the one that he was the one that influenced elizabeth that dark road and eventually entered life. Like I got, I just, I'm glad they, they told that story. I, I, I thought correctly. And then they start going into the stuff about his, you know, like he said, like 12 DUIs being arrested for drug charges for selling. They thought he's going to sell steroids. I think he just had it all for him, but maybe he was going to sell it to people. Maybe he was, I'm sure he was, you know, people hitting him up and stuff, but whatever, distributing of steroids. And, he was just, and I remember this is the time I was an Observer subscriber, and I remember like seeing him Lou arrested again, so, like, and I and I remember like this is the time too. A lot of some wrestlers. This is when they started getting that where these young wrestlers are dying so so uh, so early in age, right? And just you know, guys in their thirties and forties dying. And I remember saying, th- I remember. Th- just being kind of depressed when I would always see Luger come up in the news of being arrested. And, and I kind of like just was waiting for that news. Like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, it's going to be one day soon. It's going to be, we're going to find out Luger passed away. And then he had the spinal, the spinal stroke at that event in San Francisco, which I was and worked a show there. Uh, and we got called like kind of last minute to do a, do be part of that show. It was like during the daytime. No one was there watching it. I think literally like fucking 15 people. The only Larry Zbysko was there watching it. <laughs> I remember that. But I was telling, I was telling my kids like 5,000 people were there. <laughs> you know, but it was, it was like 15 people. We did a tag match. It was Brian Cage and, uh, God, who was this? Was it? Oh, Tito, uh, Tito Aquino and Brian Cage versus, uh, uh, my tag team of ego with Nate Nate Rules and AJ Kirsch, and that was a fun little match. We did we did that little that little deal and got to walk around that convention and see this kind of stars and talk to some people and it was uh, it was interesting. And we were like literally coming home from another show the night before. We started at a hotel up in Oroville, California, and we were driving home. And that morning, and then we got the call from uh, Roland Alexander, who was the owner and uh, the promoter of uh, All Pro Wrestling, which was our home promotion. He's like, you guys got to go down there and got you guys booked on a show and it's a good opportunity for you, all this kind of stuff. So we did. And then I heard about the chaos of that convention is legendary. There should be a dark side ring on that thing alone. And... There was, uh, and I heard about Luger being hospitalized, paralyzed, and it's still hard for me to see Luger the way he is, you know, frail and just, just as sad because he was a, a, looked like Superman, like I said, and I was so happy that he found god and he found religion and he was he's been saved and i know some people are you know 
don't believe in God and, and some people do, but you know, there's, there's like, you know, two sides of that. And whatever you believe, not non or, or, or do believe, I think one thing both sides can agree on is that Lex Luger finding God has been the best thing for him, right? Like, even if you don't believe in God, you should be happy that Luger has something that he believes in and he's, he's, he's making himself into a better person. No more drugs, no more alcohol. You know, he forgave himself. He he understands what he did to the people that he hurt, his family, his children. And he's doing his best to give back. And, you know, people talk about it all the time, you know, Lex Luger is like the most positive guy you could ever meet. He's such a, you know, he's just, you know, he, where he was an asshole before, he's the nicest guy in the world. And and I just, I think that's so great. And I've never met Lex Luger. never had an opportunity to beat him. Uh, I'm not one to, like, pay money to get someone's autograph. Um, but there's one exception, and that would be Lex Luger, just, just so I can talk to him. Because... Because he had such a big influence on my life. Now I wish he had more of an influence of in the in the gym for me. Like I wish I had that, you know, workout, you know, ethic that you know, want you know I I wish I had that. I should have took that and you know I'm not saying do steroids, but like you know become a physical fitness nut. But I just never did. Um, and but like I you know for my fandom for like where I am today of wrestling and. What I've done, like, why, you know, if I wouldn't, I would fuck, dude, like, I love wrestling so much. I never thought I was going to perform in it. Never thought I was going to ever book. Never thought I was going to run my own promotion. And it all goes back to Lex Luger. Because if it wasn't for him, press selling Michael P.S. Hayes at Wrestle War 9 multiple times, I think I'd be on to something else, you know. So, this documentary, and, and you know, I know is. I guess this is more of a review of Lex Luger and his career and my thought and my and my and my my fandom of him, but didn't really get into the finer details of the of the uh documentary. But it was just great that at the end it, it wraps it up with a nice redemption story. The one thing that does still make me sad is that it sounds like he still hasn't reconnected with his children yet. And he even mentions that, you know. I wish they would get to know me now because I'm a more, much better person now than I ever was. I'm a much, you know, best. And I hope they do. I just, I hope it's, I hope they do reconnect because life's too short. And, but I, I can understand what, you know, his kids not wanting to connect Luger, who I'm sure they saw some very dark things when he was in his dark times and how it affected them and their mother. So, but I hope they they he you know they they find it in their heart to reconnect with their father. It's um, and I think they will. I believe it in my heart, so that that will happen one day. And I and and I hope it happens. You know, because Luger, you know, he still has a lot of medical issues. He's in a wheelchair, though he can walk here and there. He, but he can you know he can live on his own. He's you know he can bathe himself. He can feed himself and do all that kind of stuff, but you just never know, you know, like when anything can happen. And, and I hope they, I do hope they reconnect. So, um, it was awesome. I love my, also my other favorite parts of that documentary was when he came back to WCW, we you know, took the $150,000, you know, contract, which a lot less than a lot of guys were making. And, he became like this motivation, motivated guy to help the locker room and help the young wrestlers out. And I love the story that Paul Wright told the giant. Cause when he broke in, he was a rookie could only do a few things, but here he is in main events, working with Hulk Hogan, making, you know, making good money and, you know, didn't work the indies or anything like that. I don't think if he did an indie, it was like one or two shows before he got signed by WCW. And, he talked about like, because he was feeling the pressure from the locker room. Guys would look at him like, "Fuck this guy!" You know, he's only getting it because he's, you know, almost seven feet tall, and you know, they're trying to make him Andre Giant's kid. You know, just you know, he he felt the heat 
in the locker room. He felt the looks. It was cool to hear that Luger was like, hey, I was in that same position in, in Florida and in the NBA when I signed. Like, you know, I was this young kid that didn't go, th- wasn't a wrestling fan that didn't, you know, go to the Indies and all that. Like, wasn't that long in the territory days, the very dying days of the territory as Luger was in Florida. And they connected that way. And he mentored to Giant to stay focused and work, just worry about you. Don't worry about everyone else thinks. And, you know, make the most money you can and and work on proving them wrong that yeah, I got this opportunity, but I'm gonna be I'm gonna be I'm not gonna waste them. I'm gonna I'm gonna work hard and end up being a very good wrestler. And he was. He was a very good wrestler. The giant, Paul White, big show, whatever you want to say. Um so I, I just love that part of that story. I just that just that 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 was really cool. And I, it was all it was almost like the the a little redemption story then to the big redemption story. So I enjoyed it. Got a little misty eyed a couple times, especially during the stuff about the, the drug use and all the legal issues he was having. Cause I just, it brought back memories where, like I said, I would think about Luger and like, okay, I'm not going to be shocked when I see that he's passed or something. And, and I hated that. So, I'm glad he's doing better. I'm glad he's in a better place in his heart and his mind and his soul. And I'm glad he's giving back to... That's cool. He's training bodybuilders and just mentoring them. And uh, that's, that's just amazing. So, yes, as he's Lex Luger's ever at a convention that I'm at, which I don't really go to him, but maybe in L.A. I might... If he's at one of the one of the so he's out there somewhere else in our Maybe I'll just I'll 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 put the money down because I don't care. Just to kind of shake his hand and talk to him and um and say thanks. You know, say thanks for just igniting my fandom of this you know, this crazy and wacky wrestling business. So that's my thoughts on Lex Luger and the AEW biography documentary or whatever you want to call it biography, I guess not documentary, yeah, whatever. But and I hope you enjoy the show. I like to hear from the Luger fans out there. <laughs> Love to hear. Um, it's funny. Like I was just talking to my buddy Promise Thomas. And I was telling him, hey, I think I'm gonna I'm watching this doc this this uh, this Luger biography on any. I think I'm gonna do cover my do the show on it. And he's like. Yeah, I like Luger, but Sting was my... I always like Sting more. And like, everyone... like It's like that line. I, every time I would talk to wrestling fans and talk... And they and every time I'd bring up, like, yeah, I'll, my favorite wrestler growing up was Lex Luger. And they're like... A lot of people say the same thing. Like, yeah, I like Luger, but I like Sting more. You, I would hear that all the time. So... So I just got to chuckle when I saw that text message from Promise Thomas. So thanks for listening, everyone. Um, I forgot, I'm sorry, I got, so, I got so into Lex Luger, my fandom. I forgot to mention the Fight Game Media podcast. My sorry, Fight Game Media Network Patreon. It's late here; it's almost midnight when I'm recording this deal. Um, Five dollars a month, you get all this great content from boxing, wrestling, mixed martial arts. You got the Raw 1998 uh, podcast with Garrett Gonzalez myself, and we're rewatching all the Raws from 1998 and the pay-per-views and covering them. Um, like I said, we just got done fully loaded from Fresno, California, which I was at that show, talking about that show. We're, uh, we're at the point where Chopper the Pee-Pee is going on in the old uh, Attitude Era. Austin and Undertaker are, are, are building up to SummerSlam. And that big main event. A lot of great stuff on there. We got the Brace for Impact podcast. Talking about all things Impact Wrestling. All the details. All the backstage scoops are there. J.D. Oliva just was at a Impact pay-per-view. Emergence that just happened today. So he'll be talking about his live perspective of that show. Uh, coming up on Brace for Impact podcast. So definitely check it out. The five-star Joshi show with Scott. You know. Mr. All Things Joshi. If you're into the Japanese human wrestling, this is the show to listen to. This will be well worth your $5. We got Robert Silva talking boxing. He's so passionate about boxing. I love hearing him talking about boxing. Uh, and so smart because he's been following it and just a 
fucking great fucking dude. So definitely check out his podcast on the Patreon. Again, $5 a month. That's like, eh, one less Starbucks that month. But we're giving you more than just a quick little jolt from Starbucks. We're giving you great content on the Fight Game Media Plus. $5, give it a shot. Give it a shot for a month. If you don't like it, you can cancel. No one's going to be offended. We're just happy you gave us a try. Give it a shot. But I bet you, I bet you you're going to stick around and hear more. A lot of great stuff on there. Everyone, have a great weekend. Be safe. And, oh, follow me on Twitter at LaRockaJL. Hit me up. Let's talk about some Lex Luger stories. I'm always down to talk about the total package. We'll talk about a Superboy appearance in, in the 90s when I fucking was watching Super Bowl. And here comes Super, Super Bowl. Superboy. And here comes Lex Luger and the Superman outfit. And I'm like, yes. Because as a kid, I always thought he looked like Superman. So, love to hear your guys' thoughts on that. Love Superboy, that television show. Because I'm a, such a big Superman mark. So, And Lex Luger being in it. Come on. Awesome. I wish they would get over their dispute and release those damn Superboy shows. So, anyways, have a good night. Be safe, everyone. Take care.